When they call you to retirement league and Demarcus Beasley says, hold my beer, it's That's So MLS with myself, Nick Thornton. With me as always is Andrew Bates. Andrew, how are you doing? Nick, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing super well. I, I'm, we're a week out. A week and change out from MLS starting. As we record, I think it's nine days. Yeah. Wow. I it know. Feels, it feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens is we complain all preseason and offseason long about there needing to be soccer. And then all of a sudden I'm going, oh, I'm going to have to watch so many games every week again. We had, Am I ready for this? We had some competitive games this week uh, as well. And the, the news keeps uh, the news of, of various designated players. Speaking uh, of retirement up. leagues. <laughs> We have a new friend in MLS. Who's our new friend? Nani, famed Manchester United winger, extraordinaire, oh. uh, the Wunderkind, at yes. the ripe old age of, what is 34? I, saw, I have 32 in my notes. 32 sounds right. I guess I shouldn't laugh too much. That's how old I am. But uh, <laughs> Nani, Nani has uh, become where the egg that's... Orlando City is going to wrap their basket around. Big news. It's not exactly a surprise. There's been talk about it for several weeks. I think longer for those who are, uh, who are really paying attention. I'm dying to know what you think of this signing. Um, it's interesting. I think the one thing that may, causes me to temper my... Uh, any critique of the the sort of um, retirement league uh, concern is that in addition to just being you know thirty two, which for a midfielder is not necessarily that, as you said, not that not necessarily that age. He um, apparently, so I'm trying to remember where I I have this in my notes. I'm trying to remember where I read it from. Uh, apparently, he he's uh, he is on his way out because. Sporting can't afford him. Sporting uh, CP in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was their captain. He was doing fine. If you look at his, if you look at his stats, he's contributing like a pretty consistent number of goals per year. I think you've actually seen a few things that show he's in terms of if we're looking at assists and goals, his performance per minute has or per ninety minutes has actually improved since mm-hmm. he's left United. Yeah. And so I think that that could be, um, I mean, this is a this is a pretty positive. This could be a pretty positive get, especially because I think that Orlando City is a club that has lacked a certain amount of midfield identity, um, and Sasha Kleschen was not enough to sort of stamp his uh, his identity on it uh, last year. So so this is kind of like a a, a new star to sort of anchor everything around. I agree. I mean, I think obviously MLS fans and probably Orlando City fans are going to be somewhat divided in terms of this philosophy of do you try to hinge and and build your club identity around one player and do you try to do it around one player who's max going to be there for a couple of years? Yeah. Uh, I personally, it wouldn't be my first approach. Um, 
it didn't exactly work out with Kaka, so... Ha! Kaka, rather, not... <laughs> He's been out of the league for six months, and I've lost ability to say his name. But uh, another four, another four-lettered player. Another four-lettered player. I just... I mean, I asked this question on Twitter, and I actually did get some feedback from Orlando City fans. And I was trying to say, like, I'm not trying to be sarcastic about it, but I'm like, is this the salve to Orlando's problems? Because con- their major problem was conceding goals, not necessarily scoring them. Not that they That's were true. blowing anyone out of the water last year, but they were leaking a ton of goals. And the argument was made they've made significant improvements to the back line. Um, most of them, I believe, don't have much MLS experience, so it may take some a, take a little while for them to sort themselves out. I also noticed that they do look a little thin in terms of depth, yet in terms yeah. of their their back four. Um, I don't know if they plan at, at points maybe playing with a back three, but they do sort of look like that's a an area that could still they could still be hurt by. And I, without trying to do anyone any disrespect, they also don't really have a great goalkeeper. Um, and, that, and that's where I, I think that a couple of MLS clubs this season could find themselves in a little bit of hot water. Is It's great, as you say, to get a player that you can build a midfield identity around, but um, you know, how many times have we said it that MLS clubs that aren't investing time, money, and energy into their back line are made to pay? So yeah. the big question mark becomes, is this signing going to bring an identity and some leadership and a way forward out of the rut that they've been in and even if it does that is it going to be enough to make up for the fact that defensively have they improved enough to to really be a contender in mls um that being said they just beat new york new york (laughs) new england revolution oh gotta sort these preseason jitters out uh (laughs) 6-2 in their preseason match so the goals are a flying and defensively a little bit better, but that remains the big question for me, and I'm sure all Orlando City fans is, is this going to be enough? I think that how the defense, like, enough is, I, I think that you created the, the, the right way of looking at it in terms of that back line, is that it's not necessarily, I feel like, you know, this is something that Vancouver fans think about a lot and stuff like this is like, as though mm-hmm. in is certainly something that's being thought of in Toronto right now, in terms of like, like there's a line and the line is enough. And if you get a star enough, or you know a a, a proven performer, you will you will pass that magic line of enough. Um, I think that, or, but the midfield role and identity. And the uh, the back line are going to be completely different. Are are different sets, you know? Yeah. It's gonna yeah. make it. It's gonna it's gonna make the team more offensively capable. The other thing that is uh, the other thing issue that this creates is that Orlando City have now joined the four designated players club. Mm-hmm. Um, with the uh, MLS roster compliance date um, fastly. Up- uh, uh, quick, uh, quickly approaching. Yeah. So, if you look at, um, I had a list of their players up here, but they now have, uh, they now have Kaka and or not Kaka, they now have Donny and Question and um, who is uh, was it who is the other Was the other one? 
Jose Coleman. Oh. Coleman's a DP? He is DP. The the DPs are now Nani Question and uh, Dwyer and Coleman. But even 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 more than just the designated players, you look at the players that they have in that midfield, it mm-hmm. is stacked, but can you make them all sort of like go can you uh, mix them together into a wonderful midfield soup? Um Yeah. That is that is that is yet to be seen. And certainly of those three midfielders, um they're probably not gonna move Tom Dwyer, so one of them's gonna have to go. Or get bought down with Tam, and I don't know if they could do that. Uh, you would think Dwyer must be near that mark, wouldn't he be? Or is his what's his salary? Is that too much? Maybe not sure off the top of my head. No, but yeah, you're, fair I, enough. You made I a mean, good point about the the various young players. You know, Kyle Smith is there. The 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 younger Joe uh, Joel Moutinho is uh, is is now on the back line, and so this is one where I look at it's like it's less you know, assemble contents until you reach enough and more like we just don't have the armor plating right now. Yeah. And it's particularly in the goalkeeper position that I really go, unless there there's another player yet to come. I mean, they have kind of non entities in that role. And I, I, I know that it's hard to say that I don't mean disrespect, but in saying all their goalkeepers are bad, but like, if you look at them, like they don't have a real leading presence there. Now, I don't think teams should necessarily, and of course, with that being with the departure of Joe Bendik, yeah. um, invest super heavily in a goalkeeper. Because um, we've also seen that backfire. But to me, this feels like a little bit too far the other direction. That um, I mean, hopefully those guys can perform, but it, it, yeah, to me, there's still a big question mark there of are they improved yeah absolutely on paper orlando looks like a good team but they've looked like a good team on paper for a couple of seasons now and we've seen what's happened so uh, question marks Uh, abound i think that the uh, i have a little another note that seems little in 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 when you just look at it but i think is a is a way forward for a team like this when you look at this team has got so many different goalkeepers on staff right now. Like, I think it's something like four and one of them is homegrown. Mm. Um, the, so they're not necessarily going to be able to bring somebody in right away, but I looked at the, uh, the signing, uh, Minnesota United took, uh, Italian goalkeeper Vito Manone on, uh, on loan from Reading. Yeah. I assume, I don't know a lot about Reading, but I assume that this is a, this is a, you know, this scenario where you're taking on, a backup to to uh, to get them games essentially. Yeah, well, uh, Manone is a, a good pickup for them. I mean, he's hardly a goalkeeping star, but he's got a good pedigree. Former Arsenal goalkeeper, not starting goalkeeper, but you know he's played at good teams in Europe. There's, uh, you know, I think they got him for a good price. He's a, he's on Tam, and and I think that the. The way forward with that is that goalkeeper is one of those positions where, especially when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at a, a league that is at a comparable level or, or higher to MLS, there's a lot. Any league just has a lot of uh, um, 
you know, secondary keepers hanging around. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and if it's never going to be a, a long time scenario, and if you have, if if a team like Orlando has keepers that they want to, they uh, that they you know want to develop, but they're not so sure about right now, doing what Minnesota has done and bringing in a temporary um, tenured goalkeeper is, I think, a, a, an interesting way to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, did Minnesota, Minnesota didn't do anything else, uh, interesting this, this, uh, this week, this week, have they? No, they've been a little bit quiet, um, and we may get back to them with one of my later questions, but mm-hmm. I think we can, we can move on from them. We got, uh, uh, Marco Fabian has moved to the Union as one of their big DP pickups. Mm-hmm. Um, 29 year old attacking midfielder who was playing at Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, represents, I think, um, MLS has always tried to have, um, t- some degree of, of, of top or recognizable Mexican talent, but I mm-hmm. think that they can always do better. And, uh, and this seems to be somebody who, uh, who is relatively, you know, a, a high profile end of quality. Yeah, and and certainly adds to their existing roster. I think it's a nice compliment um, to just sort of round them out a little bit. Um, we know Corey Burke has been good. CJ Sapong has always does his business, but certainly if you can add another proven goal scorer, it's always a welcome thing, and and without having to give up anyone. So I, I see that as the Un- Philadelphia Union have quietly had, I think, an, a good off season. Without, I think at the end of last season we said this is a team that we don't want to see make massive overhauls. They they want to build on what they already have, and that seems to be clearly they were listening to us. Um, Vancouver have uh, have for the first time in a while that I can think of um, made a made an acquisition of a third designated player. <laughs> yeah. Not that they haven't had three players slugged as DPs, but I think that for the last couple, my my understanding is for the last couple of seasons, the they may have you know one or two players that they're thinking of as, as designated players, and then a third player who is a, a TAM player or not. Yeah. Um, yes. The, this uh... is uh, our days. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 year old Uruguayan playing in the Swiss Challenge League. Joaquin. Mm-hmm. I think that the 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 biggest thing when you look at I've got this page of 2019 MLS trans uh, transactions, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it before. But what is happening with um, Vancouver is just is just crazy with the amount of like, you know, switches, the, the amount of switches back and forth. It's truly a new start um, that they're, that they are having. And we've seen some of the preseason games. I, I got to look a little bit um, at the two Pacific Rim games. Um, the, you know, the second halves were not really like, not just not familiar players, but just players that aren't really at the top of even the current team's list. Yeah. Um, 
nothing particularly exciting. And there was a, I believe, a, a, a closed door match today against from Vancouver against Tijuana. But but you know, it's all in the build of of teams that of, of players that have not necessarily played together, playing in a new system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and with the uh, the now official arrival of Freddie Montero back in the squad, it seems like we've got what's beginning to look like, you know, uh, what we, we can probably start to make some guesses around a, a starting 18 anyway, and a, a roster that's, I think, probably more or less taken full shape here. There may be maybe another one to come in. Uh, but got, it really, it is a totally, totally new look. We've got two forwards, you know, uh, and, you know, Imbam Huang, who has made it known that that's the order that he wants to have the, that's how he wants the name presented, mm-hmm. um, is uh, is going to be your key midfielder. And there are a bunch of other, you know, they've brought in, they've brought in uh, five midfielders, Four defend, five defenders, and three forwards. So I mean, what else can you? What else? What are in two goalkeepers? So that's pretty much a whole eighteen. Yeah. Um, roll, roll the dice. Yeah, I don't. I I agree with you that I don't see a lot. Um, a lot of more additions. Did you hear this story about sort of the issues uh, involving Dijon Citizen? I did a little bit, yeah, in terms of uh, there was some back and forth around Huang was maybe set to go to, was it Werder Bremen or um, it was a German club? Oh, it was a different, it wasn't Bremen. Um, it was, but I, I I had heard this as well. You know, I'm the one that brought it up and I can't remember what, t- <laughs> what team it is. But I, my understanding is that there was an issue with with who was being um, who was being sort of ratified as the uh, as the agent, mm-hmm. uh, and sort of because of agent related issues, he kind of missed out on his chance to go to Germany. He wants to come. He wanted to come. Once that sort of fell apart, I mean, he's sort of now out here with the idea that that this is his that this is a better route out to Europe than what was going to happen for him before um it must be disappointing um to yeah, be in that absolutely. position and, and, and hopefully it's not you know too I'm interested to see how that affects a, a player's you know drive or does not yeah, I mean, it, it's also, I mean, I guess the story seems to check out. Um, hopefully he's a, a professional and can kind of take it on the chin. And I think it was Wolfsburg maybe that wanted him, um, that he seemed quite far down the line with. And it seems like there was a bunch of, uh, at least one shady agent involved. And it's it's never ceases to amaze me just how many different people can be involved in the transfer of one player. You'd think that there's sort of one agent, but there can often be many operating um but i kind of wonder how much stock to put in those kinds of things that you know at the end of the day uh is that something that fans need to be overly concerned about um do we just kind of leave it up to the agents and the clubs to figure out and he's our player he's here he's landed um you know clearly mls can be a route to 
Europe as well. Uh, yes, you could make an argument that if a European club was already interested in him, maybe that was a better choice. My counter-argument would be, and if you really like sitting on the bench, um, <laughs> go, go directly to a European club, because a lot of them have cash to burn. So I don't necessarily think that would have been the plan for him, but we've seen it where you know, these clubs are acquiring a lot of players either to loan out right away or to kind of have short spells there. So I think it's... I, I would think right now it's maybe actually a better move to come to MLS, cut your teeth, get a lot of playing time, raise your profile, and go to Europe to get minutes as opposed to um, just go directly to a European club to either get loaned out or sit on the bench. And there's lots of examples where that hasn't been the case, so don't at me, bro. If you look at... If you look at um... It's it's it, it, the difference here between sort of an Almiron scenario where he becomes a star and then goes to is is a prize acquisition of a of a major team versus or not well I don't know how major you call Newcastle but but you, but versus like being somebody's project you know that's the mm-hmm. that's the benefit yeah. one more uh, sort of shady player situation um, is a situation that. Uh, Toronto FC appear to have their uh, themselves um, ankle deep in. Have you heard about this? I don't think I have. This might be news to me. So they're uh, they're they're it's they're looking for uh, Alejandro Pozuelo, mm-hmm. um, who currently is the captain of uh, Genk in Belgium. Okay. Um, they like him very much at Genk, and they do not want to lose him. Uh, apparently TFC triggered his 8 million euro release clause. Um, uh, and now there is a, there is a, uh, confusion about whether or not that is actually going to work. The club has said that they have signed a new agreement, uh, that does not include the release clause. The player says that he was pressured into it, perhaps, uh, allegedly, yeah. allegedly, allegedly, um, the gank are doing quite well. They're at the top of the table. They don't want to lose their captain. Um, Fair enough. The there is some sort of concern. Well, could he miss the first, you know, couple games of the season and come at the end of gank season? Well, the issue is at the end of, especially if you include the Europa League, that extends past the end of the MLS window. Mm. So is there a scenario where they could attempt to work out a compromise that doesn't require the player to wait until July? Maybe, mm. maybe not. But um, it was, a, I believe the number that was given was 8 million euro was the release clause. Ooh. So it's the funny thing about release clauses that if you have one, that's the that's the risk you 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 have in having a release clause. Yeah. Um, without Pozuelo, TFC have had a rough week. Yeah, they sure have. Uh, not a successful uh, outing right out of the gate in Champions League, getting just hammered for nothing by Independiente from Panama. Uh, these games are always interesting. The, the 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 February Champions League ones, I've attended. I, I went to see a, a Vancouver play in one. And, like, 
they can be interesting to think about, and they are certainly like the opening uh, competitive games. But it's also kind of a, it's definitely a team not in preseason form. However, mm-hmm. this four nothing away result went about as badly as you would have hoped for. Um, it kind of continues off of concerns people had coming from the five one game against the Las Vegas Lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a very similar back line with the, the sort of the new people in it. Um, one of the people that I kind of look at as, as a bit of an issue is uh, Chris Mavinga. Yeah. Seemed to be, when I only saw the highlights of the of the, the CONCACAF game, but he seemed to sort of be a little bit behind the play in a couple of the key scenarios where where things started to break down. And they had this, this is something they're going to have to work out with a player like Lauren Simon, mm-hmm. um, who is great and is a is is himself a leader of men, is that Mavinga is not in. I think this is the the first or second goal. Mavinga is not coming to challenge the, um, not coming to to challenge the player who's who's taking the shot, and Simon and Michael Bradley who is tracking back, kind of like. Their auras bump into each other. Like, which of us is which of us is taking this one? It should be Mavinga. Nobody takes it. The goal is scored. Yeah, and there's there's definitely been some questions raised over Mavinga's uh, abilities at Toronto, um, both in the the preseason and kind of tapering off from last season. I, I mean, at this point, I don't think you necessarily need to hit the massive panic button, regardless mm-hmm. of. S- what Greg Vanny is going to say. Um, and he gave a fairly frank assessment of that game. We are looking at a team in preseason form and a team that's all systems go. This was a preseason game. And there's just, n- regardless of, you know, we got to be ready, we got to hit the ground running, it's a preseason game for Toronto. Maybe they're not approaching it that way, but that's the form they're in. And that's exactly what we saw is. Um, the team chemistry is not there yet. People clearly don't quite get the formation yet um, and are just getting outplayed. The fitness isn't quite there, the sharpness, and um, it just made it easy for their opponents to kind of roll over them. One thing that is a little bit worrying about that is that we are only just over a week away from the beginning of the <laughs> season. So you kind of want to be hoping that your team at least can recover a little bit and maybe... A loss is excusable, but an unanswered for nothing just throbbing, um, I think, yeah, maybe does start to raise some questions of like, well, this is not a giant of South America here that you got run over by. Um, what happens when, who do they start the season against? Anyway, we'll get to that next week. But yeah, um, yeah you, you wonder like if they beef it out of the gate again this season like they did last year, is that going to spread them thin I mean, they could have beat. They could be out of the Champions League relatively quickly, um, but is that just going to start things off on a sour note that they're not going to be able to recover from? You you could start the season weak, and and certainly TFC had a strong start to the season last year, and they had an awful season. So so just saying, oh, you you nobody who's who's seen it will will say, oh, you absolutely have to do well coming out of the gates. No. Um, but it's all, there is, if, if not league positioning, there's something about framing, 
where if you do like not saying this not saying they would but like if they do come out of the gates with a lopsided result like this it's going to you know it's going to tint the season when you look at a Terrence Boyd coming back I think I don't know if people this is the the nature and why I think you're kind of right to label these preseason games even though they're competitive um is I don't know if people are going to remember this or if people will have seen it but it's like if you, I think that a big part of the, the, the deal with a player like Boyd is like, is the framing going to be like a player who is, has, has fallen off a little bit, is, is trying to, you know, atone for, for the past or a player who is kind of come in and look to, uh, to prove why, they, why they're the best and launching a penalty kick in your first competitive game right over the bar uh, doesn't help it be the the latter. Does it? Does it? Does it really help your case? No, but uh, it, you know, I also yeah don't want to put too much stock in those things as well. I mean, it's not promising, but um, soccer is a game where we love to to talk about form and statistics and all those things. But you know, these guys. I don't. Now I'm sounding like a coach at a press conference. These guys are professionals, but you know, I, again, I don't think it's time to necessarily hit the panic button. Uh, I kind of jokingly sent you a message yesterday where I'm just like, "Vanny out. He'll be gone by summer." <laughs> well, it's uh, kind of funny if you look at if you look for TFC right now. First, the first video that comes up says "end of season," and it's like, "Wow, that's that's <laughs> that's dark right now." <laughs> yeah, I mean. They, They've got a good squad. They've got a lot of young talent. Hopefully, they can get their uh, their DP in. Um, they've got one of the, you know, arguably one of the best center backs in MLS. Not arguably, they do have one of the best center backs in MLS. If the, you know, if they can organize and not let this hit them too badly, uh, I think they should be okay. Um, I, I just kind of getting a sense though that like if if things really don't. If they're not able to pull together as a team, um, I think that there's there's still weaknesses there that can be can be exploited by other teams. Can they tear apart uh, a lower like a, a, a lower league team or a a, a a lesser opponent four nothing five nothing at home? Absolutely, especially if they have Altidore back. Yeah, and maybe people don't even remember it. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe all people remember are the five and the five four. If uh, if that's how they 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 sort of soft open their home season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other teams that are in that competition, um, Demarcus Beasley, as mentioned, uh, got the sort of all important goal, uh, uh, the the away goal, I guess. Um, in uh, in the away uh, uh, leg of their game, it's mm-hmm. a team. My uh, my clicker is not working, and I do not rem- I do not have Gustatoya. That's the one. The uh, I believe Dominican Republican team is that right? Guatemala. Yes, that makes sense. Guatemala City. Um, Sorry, Guatemala. New York have uh, have as we speak have defeated Atlético Pantoja two uh, nothing. And uh, Atlanta and Sporting Kansas City go tomorrow. Yeah, 
which that's that's one to watch. I feel like yeah, actually the one getting to see the two MLS clubs line up against each other should be good fun. I don't um, think they do. No, no, no. They're oh, it's sorry. different. Oh, they're, I mean, so, <laughs> wishful thinking. I'm staring yes, right at it too. It's Sporting KC versus Toluca, Atlanta versus Herediano. How did that happen? How are they playing each other? I thought oh. I was looking at a. I thought I was looking at a, a, a Bradley Wright Phillips bicycle kick goal, and it turned out that it was an own goal because he he takes the bicycle kick and I think nails it, but or you know it, it hits it, but it bounces off a goalkeeper and it's eventually uh, sorted. Uh, <laughs> oh, it it it, <laughs> it uh, according to this according to this uh, result this this recap. It bounced off not one, but two faces. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's going to be a locker room talk about that one. Hey, look, we're, we're all in preseason here. We're all in preseason. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just getting back up to, back up to, mat, uh, to match fitness. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about, and I think is, is definitely one of those things that people continue to, to, to discuss as we talk about the Vancouver revamp, is... As we talk about them sort of having a complete clean break in this is not the first time we've seen the club completely sort of regenerate or or, or move a lot of players in the offseason, but this is in a, a coaching sense, it does seem like a clean break in some ways. The the thread that they are snipping is completely been picked up by Cincinnati, who has just picked up uh Kakuta Mane. Yeah. Um, from Columbus, uh, I think it's a great move because Mane is great, and, and uh, I think that the, he's probably somebody who has had experience working with Alan Cock before, and can, that could be good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you have we talked about we've talked before, and you you don't know how you're going to feel when we when when Vancouver sort of matches up with Cincinnati the first time. Yeah, I mean, luckily, it's I don't think they're coming here. Uh, yes. I think that's an away game, so I don't have to feel too bad about it. Although part of me wishes I could see our old buddies Pamudaka, uh, Kakutamane, Alan Koch, <laughs> Kendall Austin, uh, Darren Maddox, etc. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, somewhat, uh, I'm saying that somewhat facetiously, but yeah, they are, they a lot of familiar faces at that club. Um, and it will be interesting to see. Again, we're going to go in a little bit more depth into sort of a preseason or a, a literally a preseason review or preview rather yes. uh, to talk more about each team. But I, as we've said before, I think Cincinnati's done a lot of the, the right things and, just and it's sort of these are obvious observations to be making at this point, but they are going to be a pretty solid defensive team and a very quack, uh, very quack, a very quick attacking team as well. And it, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they ended up playing a little bit of counterattacking football similar to former Whitecaps, um, knowing that you know with Kakuta Mane and Darren Maddox streaming down the the wings. Um, they've got so- a solid midfield as well, but maybe we'll see a little bit of that bunker and counter play from them. I'm not too sure, but I think uh, 
those are my two observations right now, right out of the gate. They're going to be a hard team to score against, and they're going to be a very quick team to have to defend against. Clinical, uh, that one's still out. Uh, I have, I have, you know, although there is a strong nostalgic feeling, uh, my my feeling is it's slightly more resolute when it comes to this the Cincinnati-Vancouver connection, which is there was a, a very dour note at the end of last season for the Whitecaps, and I feel like the feeling was just we can't keep going on like this. Mm-hmm. And as much as this offseason for Vancouver involves the complete, basically, repudiation of the of the club's mindset and, and what they had done previously, uh, that's been picked up in, in Cincinnati with, with coaching staff that were a part of it and players that were a part of it. The, that way of thinking is, is going to be embodied in Cincinnati. But it didn't work. I don't think it's going to make me sad. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it wasn't working. There was a feeling that it wasn't going to continue to work. I, of course, have positive feelings towards the, the, the players that have performed well for the club. And it will be great to see them do well. But I think that I have sort of a, you know, the the... I have the clean. I I appreciate the clean break. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I don't look at it and I think, oh well, I wish all those players were still playing for Vancouver. It's going to be. It's gonna look bad if it doesn't work out the way that Vancouver is helping. Um, yeah. But I appreciate the move, and I'm you know I I am at peace with it. No, I th- I I agree with that, and I mean I'm not I'm not gonna feel sad in the same way as when I see the New York Red Bulls backline just exploding and and doing amazing things. And Tim Parker's at the heart of it and going, Oh, to what could have been (laughs) Um, with this. Yeah. I, all the players that used to play for the white caps that play for Cincinnati, I have some affection and nostalgia for (laughs) would I want any of them back at the white caps currently? Not really, to be honest. Uh, uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm good as well with the, 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 the fresh start and the clean break. It, I think, if anything, it'd just be a little bit weird to see the clubs line up against each other and hear so many familiar names and be like, oh, oh, wait, no, that's not, oh, I'm not, ex- I don't want that person to have the ball. Yes. Um, the, uh, you know, I don't know how much, do you have any, I don't know if we talked about the statue last week. Do you have any interest in talking about that David Beckham statue? None. Everybody seems to be a big deal with it. It I seems like one... a, it doesn't seem like an interesting storyline to me. I don't know why people, uh, yeah, have feelings about it one way or the other. I saw that Zlatan uh, Ibrahimovic said he will 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 break every record in MLS. Uh, he's back, fully back on his bullshit. Um, hey, happy hey, to, hey, hey, happy to report, he's going to win the most comeback seasons ever in a row. <laughs> He's going to win MLS newcomer three times in a row. You just wait. He'll be the first. Pe- he'll be the first person to win best uh, MLS newcomer two years in a row. That's well, my he bet. does. He he does currently like if if they if they sail through the the it, there is some talk um, that I it's for some reason with the product development committee that they're trying to pitch 
like adding the fourth DB in to 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 deal with this. So he would break a record by being the first fourth DP. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Starting starting right away. Obviously, we've talked before. That would be bad. Don't do it. Don't we'll add a do fourth it. DP. Don't reward uh, like administrative Stupidity. incompetence. Yeah, just don't do it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's not the way we need to go. There's so many other things that could be changed, bettered, or just clarified before adding a fourth DP to to try to solve problems. Speaking of the league systems, uh, uh, Todd Garber has been uh, has had his contract extended through twenty twenty three. Are you? Do you have any feelings, positive or negative, about that? I'm almost afraid to say anything about Don Garber to <laughs> MLS followers. I, look, <laughs> he seems like a smarmy little weasel. Uh, obviously, he, he was no real help to the crew total bandwagoner yes man and has been pretty responsible for the growth of the league so that's a great that's a great you know ups and downs do i think the guy's kind of garbage absolutely has he been really beneficial to mls also absolutely do i want to be clearer about how i feel not on your life (laughs) (laughs) the uh um a lot of people have been talking about the the new um the new team, the new jerseys that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of note. Uh, Vancouver is bringing back the hoop in a way that is both maintains their navy blue color scheme, but um, recalls the uh, the NASL jerseys of the 1979 um, Soccer Bowl winning year. Yeah, um, LA Galaxy's I, new jersey is real. Not 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 great. <laughs> San Jose named their jersey Unity, which I love because Vancouver's gray jersey last year was called Unity, and it was one of the least unified years Vancouver had had in MLS. Yeah, so good luck not, with that one. I could end up coming back to bite you. A lot of people, I feel like the thing that is getting the most critique, and it's absolutely de- deserved, is players that have these huge marketing manifestos with jersey names around this is not san jose's case but i understand that this is the this is a scenario with colorado um around like just a completely unremarkable jersey (laughs) like a white jersey like a white jersey with the all the usual badges on it and it's like this is our rocky mountain jersey or whatever it's called uh isn't it just completely white yeah well A little bit overkill. Can I ask you my question? Can we get to my questions now? That sounds impatient, but is I'm I'm asking legitimately. Is this the point in the show where I can ask you my pointed, strategic questions, my thinkers? I have more news. I will. I've got some Canadian Premier League to talk about. Um, well, that's why I was we thinking can, maybe we can ask do the, the questions, first. questions first. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Hit me with them. All right. All right. So I asked you. I gave you a little bit of advance notice about this, because then you, you might want some time to think about it. And I ask it to everyone listening as well, so tweet at us at That's OMLS, or follow us on Instagram, That's OMLS as well, because I'm genuinely just curious to know what people think about this. Who do you think is the most improved MLS side in the offseason, and the least improved? 
And my caveat here is, again, around the improvement piece. So it's not who do you think is going to win the league, who do you think is going to be bottom of the league. It's if you take them over last year, in terms of signings, etc., yeah, the question stands. Most improved team in MLS and least improved team. Let's clarify one thing real quick, though. Sure. When you say improved, are we talking, like, improvement differential? Like, like, is the least improved team the team that has not, not, uh, has not improved the most, or the team that's gotten the worst? Which are different things entirely. Wait, what? Are you using a double positive to make a negative here? No, my point is, my point is, like, goals... Goals for, goals against. Think of it like this, right? Like, like the when you say most, when you say least improved, is I that mean, the team that is at zero, or is it the team that's at minus five? I would say it's the team that is at minus five. Like in terms of least improved, is either uh, they have not made. I would say I, I would argue every team has made some improvements and made new signings. I guess okay. I'll reframe is if we're considering new signings and off-season moves, mm-hmm. who has to you made the most improvements, and then to you who's made either the least improvements or actually kind of downgraded their status? That should be an option as well. Okay, so clearly gonna, I didn't think of these questions hard enough. Well, I'm just sort of being—I'm not trying to be pedantic, but it's you know some <laughs> but you some. <laughs> Some some teams can some teams can do nothing and and, and have that be a, a, a fine result, and other teams can attempt to make change and, and, and create so much more problems for themselves yeah. than they had before. And I guess if you're the other thing with the least improved would be to think about the teams that we isolated last season and talked about, and clearly just had bad seasons that you would have expected would have tried to right the ship or made up for significant departures. Is there a team that stands out to you as really having done that well or a team that has not done that? Because this, I essentially wanted to try to ask a question that's not just going to be like, well, Atlanta United looks pretty good. Well, I think the answer for me is Colorado Rapids in terms of improved, positive improvements. Mm-hmm. They have brought in a number of key players, including uh, Kai Kamara, um, Diego Rubio, Betty Felhaber. Um, they are addressing weaknesses at all parts of their um, at, at sort of like all parts of their setup, including um, they've brought Gigan Rosenberry in from Philadelphia. They're, mm, right. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that signing. They're, they they are trying. They I really think that it, there's going to be um, with the exception of I'm looking at apparently the the. They, they have Kellen Road twice. Uh, that maybe they don't have him any. Right, he was he was traded and then traded away or something. I think. Um, I think that they have the the, the players that they declined options on, um, with the exception of. Well, maybe I just recognize Zach McBean because his name is Z- or, or Jack McBean because his name is Jack McBean. Um, <laughs> I don't think they miss anybody that they are they have lost, and I think that they uh, they have brought in players that are going to be very positive for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really going to when you when you look at teams um, that have 
that are that were doing awful last year that hopefully are going to have reversed their their fortunes. I think you got to look at Colorado for that. Um, when you put this to me, spoiler alert! If I'm going to spoil your answer for least improved, uh, <laughs> I know what you're going to say, so I'm not going to say it. Ooh. Okay, interesting because I don't know what I'm going to say yet for least improved. Oh, really? as you've been talking, I actually pulled up like four teams lineups because I'm. I'm like, oh, it depends. There's multiple different ways of answering this, but so say yours, because honestly, it won't affect uh, my my answer. Okay, uh, who got? I mean, this is where this also, is where we talk maybe, about. You can also guess who my team would be. <laughs> I mean, I you probably gonna guess, you, it's going to be one of the four that I'm considering. Probably, I was going to guess that you were going to say San Jose. Yeah, they're the team's roster that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> um, legit. Um, I'm just I'm not looking at I'm not and, looking at lineups as much as I'm looking at transactions, which is why I think of like the zero and the and that's zero groups. Also, the thing when we're thinking about a team that needed to address certain things, that becomes kind of complicated to to think about. In terms, of, it's hard to ignore the current roster and what their chances might be but also think about but have they fundamentally changed things that are going to make up for the problems they had in the previous season um one of the contenders that i would say for most improved at least in terms of over where they were would be minnesota i think that they've made some really key signings in key areas and gotten rid of a lot of sort of uh excessive players that really weren't pulling their weight that hopefully hopefully will be part of a remake of a little bit more of a, a resilient team uh-huh. um if if they're not the most improved i think you can certainly make a case that if you're a man if if you're a manchester if you're a minnesota united fan you've got to be feeling like okay they did they did make some serious improvements here in the off season uh-huh. we shouldn't be as frustrated by this new look as we were last year that makes sense. I have a I have a least improved now. Okay. Um, San Jose. That one's easy because they were bad and they're still bad. Yeah. Um, but I think that I'm going to uh, train my uh, my eye on Sporting Kansas City. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Who was good and has been good, and part of what has made them good is their defensive core, and they have just lost lost Eichel Parra and Brad Evans. Mm. Um, the uh, they've also lost Kyrie Shelton and Diego Rubio, which I believe was a was a, a source of some friction in terms of who would play at the end of last year, and now neither of them will play. Yeah, um, that's a good the, point. So, so if you look at a, a team that they have brought in Eric Hurtado, right? Um, I don't recognize the defenders that they've brought in. Um, yeah. Rodney Wallace, Baton Barath, and Abdul. Rodney Wallace was at New York City, wasn't he? Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe maybe that is a positive. But if you look at, did they lose key parts of their team? Yes. Did they uh, necessarily like find a way to to rebuild from that? Uh, hard to say at this time. But I'm if if I've got a if I've got to pick somebody, that's who I pick. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? That's 
see, this is where it got really difficult because you're gonna be like, well, San Jose was bad last year. They have made no significant signings, arguably. So I don't see why they'd be doing any better. Wondolowski seems to be having just a fine preseason and ready to to smash Landon Donovan's record. So who knows? That's about the only bright spot, I would say, for that team. And they're bringing up some young homegrown players, but otherwise not much of note. Where I got kind of hung up here was um, New England, I feel like, lost some good players and really haven't made any significant signings and seem to be struggling a little bit in the offseason. And then LA Galaxy was my other note, that aside from bringing in a fourth DP, (laughs) I'm looking at the back line and I'm going, well, look, all the problems they had last season, I don't see where they've made any effort to improve those things. And just bringing in another star player, well, that was not their problem last year. Their problem was they don't play well together as a team, they don't have any on-field leadership, and their defense sucks, and they don't have a good goalkeeper. Which of those problems has been addressed in the offseason? Listen, Janino is back. All the problems are fixed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Janino is a good player, so, you know, it could work. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to be as bad last season, but... Considering the uh, the other improvements other teams have made, um, oh gosh, I guess I have to, to pick just one. So I would actually say it's probably New England for this one. I just, I can't see where New England is, is really building a heck of a lot for the future here. And for a team that just seems so mediocre last season, uh, I'm struggling to see what, as a New England fan, I would get too excited about at this point knowing that every almost every other team has made significant improvements. So it's not just about, of course, in MLS, were we okay last year? Well, we're going to compete this year. It's like, well, every other team has gotten better, though. What are you bringing to the table that's different? And I'm not seeing that from them. And what's, what's frustrating with that especially is that you, you say mediocre, and it's not wrong. Um, but I would especially say... Um, frustrating because there has been a lot of potential with New England. So they seem to have been, over the last year and a half, constantly on the cusp of maybe figuring something out. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. with a few key uh, additions could really make a big difference. Now they brought in uh, Carl's Gill that they've been making sort of a, a bit of a fuss about, but it doesn't really seem like a a major boost up. Uh-huh. I mean, it's we, a good signing, but... We will be discussing uh, more of what is going to happen with the, uh, the various... The various teams will be giving you uh, your primer on, on how we expect them to go uh, uh, heading into next week. Mm-hmm. Um, in the... Uh, the other thing that's been sort of going on these last little while is that the the Canadian Premier League is, is making their um, is making their uh, preparations mm-hmm. heading into their inaugural season. The thing, the first thing that I wanted to talk about um, was you know uh, uh, that's so Campiel sort of scenario where a lot of people were. Um, first of all. Did you ever hear about the the CONCACAF League? Did you know that existed? 
The what? So there was this issue. They the, when they seated the um, when they seated the Canadian Championship. Certain they they've done it in a a, a staggered system where um, certain clubs have to play the League One Ontario in in, in Quebec teams, mm-hmm. and then. You know, uh, there's like a second stratification of, of Canadian Premier League teams that were, you know, older or like whoever registered first, basically, they, you know, gets preceding in the competition. And that, there were some people that really didn't like that sort of setup. Specifically, it's, uh, uh, it was Calvary, it's Calvary Hamilton and Edmonton are the three who kind of like benefit. Okay. Um, the, but I think that, you know, in the end of the, at the end of the, the day, when you don't have a schedule in, in certain clubs have to be put in certain positions, you just figure it out. So sorry, but that's just, that's just the way it is. However, <laughs> there was the story about this. I guess there is a, um, I guess there's, CONCACAF has a Europa League style tournament below the Champions League called the CONCACAF League. Oh my. Um, which I had never heard of before this, before this, this set of news items. And, um, and, uh, the, I'm trying to find the piece that shows exactly, I think it is just those three. Um, the the great the good news is that um the Canadian Premier League is getting three spots in that league. Yeah. Oh. The bad news is they have decided to send Edmonton, Valor, and Forge as a result of their their registration date. There will uh. be no there will be no attempt to qualify teams for that competition for the first year based on results. Mm. Okay. Well, that should go horrendously for those teams. People are it, people are salty about it, and it's possible that people will just forget about it. But it's uh, this amuses me because. How you f- but how do you forget about something you don't know about? Yeah. How did you people people? Well, this is funny. Is getting watching people get hot on Twitter about a competition <laughs> a thing, thing they just never. <laughs> They never under, they never knew existed before. Now that's so MLS. <laughs> but uh, but it's kind of funny to me because it's like you set you set up league villains before the league started. Like these are the like sorry like you know and this pains me because I like FC Edmonton because I have been a supporter of FC Edmonton in the past. Uh, Edmonton Forge and Valor, you're the heels now. Sorry, <laughs> a little bit. That's yeah, just, you you're if, to the extent that people are gonna wind themselves up over it. If you look at you know, uh, I mean, nine people on Twitter are gonna wind themselves up about it. I guess that's fair, but it's <laughs> like if you if you look at, um, I mean, we know those nine people, but <laughs> but I think that if you look at some of the the rivalries in history, you know, Tottenham and Arsenal were that rivalry was as much as anything else based around. Uh, like a boardroom level decision of who was going to get promoted or not in like the 1910s. Right. 
for the 19 in the, in the 1900s uh, an incredibly esoteric decision that nobody remembers or or has any particular bearing on now except that everybody got hot about it forever yeah i mean slightly different fan base <laughs> this is but true but, but your just, point is well taken everybody is very happy right now but but other than geographic rivalries who what are what are going to be the dividing lines that split this uh this this that the, the set these this happy family against each other and little nothings like this are are high candidates in my eyes well, especially since a ball hasn't been kicked in the league yet. Uh, yeah. Opening game day, once a few slide tackles go in, I'm sure, you know, things will move and shift around. I think the thing is, after the after the Canadian Championship, it's like people are kind of have the, the questions. If they continue to proceed throughout the first season and give any advantage that they feel like giving to the, the those three charter clubs, those three individual clubs, um, because they registered first, it's going to make them hate it. Mm-hmm. If it keeps happening. Um, that's kind of, the, so that's like the, the, the negative point. The, the other thing that happened today, um, one piece of news that came out of the Canadian Premier League um, is people have been waiting for a long time for them to announce their broadcasting partner. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have, and they kind of haven't. Um, they have signed a 10-year deal with a Spanish company called Media Pro, um, who are essentially the TV producer for La Liga. Um, and I believe they manage and operate BN Sports, if I was looking at the internet. Like, they don't own it, but it's like, so they aren't BN, but they are, like, the, the people that make the TV shows, I guess. Mm-hmm. So... They are going to be the a media partner. They are looking to set up a streaming service to broadcast Canadian Premier League and Canadian men's and national women's te- uh, men's and na- women's national team home games um, on sort of like a Canada soccer streaming service. Um, but they're also looking for other distributors. So they're kind of a broadcaster in that they will be offering direct distribution of the games, but it really kind of seems more like they're the new, like, like the production is going to be outsourced to this company essentially. And, and whatever happens, if they end up, there's been talk that they could end up on, you know, a TSN or a major broadcast partner or major broadcast, you know, channel. And I think the suggestion is if they do end up ending up on a TSN or whatever, um, it won't be TSN that's broadcast that's like making the broadcasts, right? There well, was a the, the good thing is they're trying to keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> There's these are the the third party. It's like the 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 players with the third party uh, ownerships. Yes, <laughs> it's now it's now up to MediaPro to find wider distribution than a streaming service, which apparently they're going to have an app for the, who the, the schedule is supposedly coming out next week. Uh, and they have games as, as early as the end of April. Um, and apparently they're going to have apps out by then where you can watch these games. Um, a, a cautionary note is that the NWSL has just ended their 
similar broadcasting agreement with A&E Networks, who, um, who were broadcasting a, a game of the week on, on Lifetime the, uh, for the National Women's Soccer League. And they had a, a streaming service that they were hoping to sort of get set up quick for the end of the beginning of the season. And the streaming, the Go90 streaming service absolutely had no success for them. Um, it is potentially different because the strength, this is not, what we didn't really learn in this press conference is how you're going to watch games. But you, <laughs> yeah. you, which is kind of weird for if you were thinking of a media partner, mm-hmm. but uh, they want to, it, if they are saying we are going to both be making the, the pr- producing the games and producing shoulder programming and like storytelling style content. Um, and the funny thing is they played like a 15 to 20 minute documentary about how they produced El Clasico. Uh, so that was a, that, that was a, I feel like people have, you know, contrasting ideas, how they might have felt like tuning into this, uh, tuning into this, this press conference about the, the, the broadcast partner and seeing a, a long broadcast about how good Real Madrid and Barcelona are, <laughs> but yeah. they certainly seem, it certainly seems to be well produced. I mean, La Liga is a great media property that has only been a concentrated media property for a couple of years. So they've been on the ground floor of it. Um, I did love this, the somewhat in, in sort of as much as I kind of make fun of that a little bit, uh, the, the same nine people on Twitter <laughs> saw somebody great to hear about El Clasico, but I want to know how they'll present our Clasico, the Alberta, the Alberta rivalry game. Um, nice. Copyright Andrew Bates. <laughs> no, no, copyright the Twitter Twitter user. It was a Twitter. Oh, was oh a, so I, was a, I see. Sorry, one of the that nine was Twitter users. gold. Sorry, just... Yes, yes, yes. That was so. So this is we we love all way more than nine of you. We're just being funny, but um, it'll be interesting to see this. I think the biggest issue people have when they think of a over the top streaming service is people can't like stumble on it and if the idea is that you know you're gonna want to have to you're gonna want to try and draw people in um having a a streaming service is not the easiest way to do it but if they are gonna have potentially free games that are on the service or like you know some free some paid if they're gonna try and set up a game of the week on a, a broadcast channel it does seem to be slightly less like there's in no way have they said like this is going to be the exclusive way to do it in the way that DAZN and the Champions League have done, um, and so I guess it's just up to see you know where they go from there in terms of what deals they try to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's hoping, right? <laughs> yes. Like, obviously, I wish it success because uh, I want it to do well, but it it just it all seems still kind of a little up in the air at this point. Put it like this: from from I, I'm following, you know, I, everybody that is. I feel like the, uh, especially sort of the more independent Vancouver soccer channels that you might follow are, are are heavily covering Pacific, and I'm you know have my eye on what's going on with with Halifax. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like the football side of the operation is pretty is moving. A pace 
you know? Mm -hmm. Teams, rosters are, if they are not all complete, uh, many teams have got 11 players by now. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like we're still, whereas MLS is about to kick off, we're still about a month and a half off of the launch of games for the Canadian Premier League. And the, the, the playing side of things looks pretty together. The, business side in the broadcast side and the schedule side people are starting to get a little bit um people are starting to get a little bit uh impatient it kind of feels like they probably have it they probably have a good chunk of it done but they're just waiting for signatures on papers you sure. know but if you're a team trying to organize travel <laughs> to the other <laughs> side of the country you know there's Poor people sitting in offices ready to, with their, you know, hands on the phones, ready to book some tickets who are probably sweating a little bit. Yeah, I don't know who said it, but it's like there was the leak that um, that uh, the first Pacific FC game is going to be Halifax and it's going to be on the 28th or whatever. Somebody said that. And it's like, if, if that sort of just, um, if that just sort of trickles out, that means that those those that information is kind of known um so hopefully uh, like obviously it's not set in stone but hopefully people are (laughs) it's the 28th yes will be will be pacific versus pacific versus halifax the two the two farthest apart teams uh figuring it out on day one it'll be fine there's a bus isn't there yeah, the well-known bus that goes from Halifax to Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. I take it home every weekend to see my parents. <laughs> Lord. Well, <laughs> there's, pos- there's potential for a uh, spin-off podcast if somebody out there hasn't already started it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Like, like the, Me too. the fun thing is the more, like... The more you look at the when you're when you're looking at the rosters, like these teams are, are getting interesting players. Marcel de Jong has signed for Pacific, um, or I believe was rumored to do so. So so like like they're starting to get names and it's going to be fun. But yeah. I think people who the people who care right now are sort of getting antsy waiting for updates. Understandably so. Yeah. Um, while uh, while both seasons um, approach at breakneck speed, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at that's so MLS. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Uh, you can find, uh, I am an editor at Howler Magazine, uh, whatahowler.com. Um, the newest issue, issue 16, just uh, dropped into my mailbox. Um, so uh, so look into that. Um, the uh, You can find this podcast at www.thatsoemls.com and on uh, Apple Podcasts. And uh, wherever podcasts are found, please rate, review, and subscribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're so close. We're so now, close. Now that now that we're dealing with competitive games here, it's so important. Don't get sent off. Get your line sorted out now.
Back line, I mean. <laughs> oh, we'll work on it. Preseason. 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 Preseason.